0: This week, I'm sharing two more conversations I had at the recent Blockchain Expo exhibition in London. This time, they're with people from big consultancy companies. In fact, big consultants, which used to have names and now have initials. PricewaterhouseCooper, now known as BWC, and the Boston Consulting Group, which, you guessed it, is now BCG. Later, I'll be hearing in some detail about a PwC project called Smart Credentials, which uses blockchain to provide you with an authenticated CV, where the qualifications you say you have can be confirmed by the bodies that gave them to you. But first, I got an overview of the current state of blockchain implementation in big business with BCG. I was talking to Kai Bacardi, Managing Director of BCG Platinian, and his colleague Stephen Cogg, a BCG principal.
1: CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller.
0: I started by asking Stephen how it was all going with blockchain projects.
1: The use cases are becoming more specific and clearer in comparison to, I would say, a couple of years ago and even a year ago. So you're seeing more um, articulated problem definitions and proofs of value across industry sectors and across use cases. And I would say the euphoria around the potential impact is becoming a bit less so. So you're having more specific measures of impact. Also, the, the challenges for mass adoption of some of these use cases, which are essentially predicated on scaling, are becoming much more apparent as well. So it is to it is becoming basically a much more real business problem than it used to be a, just a technical problem.
0: So Kai, I mean, with a lot of these technology adoption uh, patterns... There's, there's a sort of winter period after the euphoria. Um, are we in that, or are we going to see that, or are we going to skip that
2: in relation to blockchain, do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, last year uh, there was a clear dip um, uh, in terms of investment into blockchain and, and, and here into blockchain as a, as a broader industry. Though um, what also uh, the data are saying is the very specific venture capitalists um, you uh, focusing on blockchain, they're actually heavily invested still in there. So maybe we have washed out a bit the hype and are much more now coming into a game where people who really understand, who are really interested in, in bringing this technology forward in terms of value creation are still heavily on board and pushing it through.
1: And I think if... If you you take a strategic angle to it, I think it's important to recognize that there was a bit of investment noise off the back of the hype around ICOs. And it's it's easy to confuse that logic from what is enterprise blockchain logic, which is much more corporate invested. And in that, the patterns have been more stable and has historically been more stable. With that being said, as I said, as the use cases are becoming more clear, more specific, also, the the willingness to pull out pull out of the things that don't make sense anymore is also becoming more apparent as well.
0: I mean, are there projects out there now which are already proving themselves as useful business tools? That there's no question that this is a success. And if so, what what sort of what would you be able to point to as this is an incredible success story? Look, nobody could doubt that. So,
1: great to hear your thoughts, Kaija, but the maybe a a way to think about that question might be thinking about rather than the blockchain space is how do you typically yield value from blockchain and the lion's share of use cases where you want to reap benefits for cross data sharing across an industry or across industries is predicated on the digitalization of the flows and the processes and that is where the problem space lies so places you are starting to see real value, albeit at smaller scale, are places where use cases that have achieved that level of digitalization. So, for example, trying to digitalize trade finance processes within certain specific trade routes that just because of the digitalization and bringing everything to standard sets and therefore to data platforms and therefore to kind of cross-entity participation yielded the value that was promised. But it wasn't the blockchain gig, it was the digitalization gig. And if you follow that thinking... You can extrapolate the same thing across other use cases. Use cases related to provenance of metals and provenance of precious metals are also predicated on standardization and digitalization of very clunky paper-based process. If you look at use cases that are gaining value in terms of, for example, cross-border transactions or effects in capital markets, also it's a similar logic. It's basically working against historic patterns that still hold charges of the back-of-paper processes to get that digitalized, heavy... In in a way,
0: what it sounds like you're saying is that just the blockchain existing has given people a sort of kick to do these efficiencies that would have really been required anyway.
2: Well, partially yes, partially no. Um, Blockchain is helping in order to trust the digitalization of a document uh, without a, a third party. So from that perspective... The digitalization as such needed to be happen, but um, blockchain has helped in order to also then uh, much more uh, put the, the process into efficiency and automation. So the whole thing about food provenance parts and there are a couple of different use cases out there in production and real life um, seem to have really proven the value that was promised and therefore is more and more uh, getting traction in terms of retailers, in terms of uh, producers and, and shippers. So
0: what's the sort of business model for that
2: then? Well, the, 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 um, the root cause um, back, back when it started was um, when Walmart has a, an e. Coli, e. coli bacteria on a, uh, on a lettuce in a, in a shop, and they couldn't figure out from where this lettuce actually came and if other markets were also infected, yes or no. And because they couldn't, they had to throw away all the letters in all the markets, a loss of a couple of millions of dollars. Now th- now they put these things on the blockchain, and they could actually track and trace uh, where the letters are coming from in, in a few seconds. So the next time that happens, they can e- actually track and trace, okay, this, letters, it, it, this infected letter is coming from a dedicated farm, and I know exactly where other letters from this specific ha- farm uh, located in my markets. So and that's
0: already up and running? It is up and running.
2: And what's the company? Well, Walmart as oh, the, Walmart. Um, right. uh, the, the grocery, grocery store, but oh. also other retailers um, has jumped on it and, and joined um, this use case and platform as well as uh, food producers. Even. And, and does
0: Walmart sort of own that business or are they using a third party too? And they're using a third party. Which is?
2: Uh, it was uh, produced, uh, developed by IBM. Um, and it's now a consortium, right? And we have another one, for example, done in the diamond industry, where we put the, the supply chain of the diamond industry, so from mine to finger with all the cutters and, and, and polishers, on a blockchain as well. Um, this blockchain, again, a consortium, has now the biggest uh, diamond producers on it. It has uh, li- one of the, or two of the largest retailers for diamonds uh, in the world on it, and some additional cutters and um, and well, polishers.
0: I think it's, it's interesting that those two examples of diamonds and lettuces are obviously kind of extreme ends of the value chain, aren't yes. they? So I guess that's encouraging.
1: I think that's, that's where sometimes it's, if it's important to take out the hype of it, but also not underestimate what sharing data across industry players in an industry space can enable, right? which is something that a typical consortium can't. Historically, consortiums can operate around counterparties. So let's say, for example, clearing in financial uh, services or some sort of regulatory-driven stock-keeping entity either either because of real estate or because of produce. Only through this model you have an access to, for example, if you take the case of Diamonds, to get from the miner all the way to the certified, the producer, the seller, the harbour, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It allows for participation and leveraging the value of data across pockets of an industry that were not available
2: before.
0: I think, I think though, that people who support the, the use of public blockchain would say you're only going halfway in terms of the potential here because that the blockchains we are talking about are sort of privately owned and therefore the sort of accountability is not quite as 100% as, as it could be.
2: Yeah. Uh, I agree, um, but I think that is typically the, the normal start, how you tap into these use cases because it's much closer to the business we know and companies do as of today or in the past as well. Maybe in the future, uh, you move more and more from these uh, private blockchain into public blockchain as well. In some cases, we have embedded kind of the possibility to move away with the same platform from a private blockchain into a public blockchain platform. So ideally, you embed this transformation already when you start, but you don't have to start with it directly because it's much harder even than...
1: I think the other thing to think about public and the, the, the story on public is that it's a typical example of where in, in theory things look great but in practice they look terrible, right? Um, in a lot of cases think, things that people consider public the fact that they are not. So for example any, any monetary transaction which is not predicated on physical transfer is essentially a permissioned entity, right? So if you have a credit card you are de facto operating in a, per- a permission network. You are a known participant of the network, and I think it is important to not get confused with a very simple definition of what is private control of the data model versus what is public access and use of the data solution, and that's where a lot of confusion starts. Then you have at the boundary opportunities to extend that private control to public to public control but as I think Kai very rightly put, is, is a journey. If you start too far, it's very difficult to make it all work at the same time. You need to start with the pocket and extend out.
0: Right, so there's the distinction between the pr- privacy of the content of the blockchain and the sort of public or private ownership of the blockchain. Yeah,
2: exactly. Correct. And nowadays, you even have the combination of the two. So we have, uh, we have seen a, a, a nice use case where it's also about uh, trash transportation across countries and um, the transporters don't necessarily want to have others knowing what they and when and with whom they do business. So that piece is on a private blockchain even though the hash of it is on a public blockchain. So everyone can, if you get stopped by the, with your uh, truck, right, you can actually double check have you been registered? Have you got all the certificates uh, by by uh, any police car? Right.
0: With these sort of uh, early successful applications you're talking about, do the people who are using them have to know anything about blockchain, or any, do they? I mean, does does the the lettuce producer need to understand blockchain? It's
1: an excellent question. You could consider you could consider a, a, a narrative which is they should not. Right. So, let's take another example, which is on the other extreme of the spectrum. Let's take all these narrative of use cases around peer-to-peer um, energy uh, trading and consumption. You need to still ask the person that wants to like know how their energy production and consumption works, and a, unless you get someone that wants specifically to understand and know from a let's say more the geeky ang- angles, that I would have to know what my solar panel is producing, whatnot you want to be as much as possible hands-off from that customer experience as a user, right? So if you take just the complexity out of the management of that use case, obviously you don't want to get involved into how the data is being manipulated. What you want to have is the guarantee that the thing works. So, and in a lot of cases, a lot of use cases fail in getting that logic right. They get right the mechanics, they get right the technology, the thing works like a charm. But when you want to mass adopt it, the barrier is not regulatory, it's not industry participation, it's that you know, mom and dad don't understand it, therefore we'll never get it. right? And that's sometimes where the trap is, this needs to be invisible, this type of solution needs to be invisible to the consumer, company and user, they just happen to be a data model.
2: Yeah, it, though, if you go to smart contracts, yeah, right, different. Um, participants need to be sure they're working as intended, because you know, Otherwise, it's executed and maybe not as you want it, and then you're, uh, it's done, and you cannot change it anymore. So there might be uh, going a service offering someone somewhere to validate exactly these kind of uh, platforms and smart contracts if they're written in a way how they should be. Today, a lot of times in public blockchains, um, the developers of these blockchain platforms and smart contracts are sending it out to experts, and they they get code access and validate really do that do i find flaws in that yes or no and it's an open source community level Uh, and a lot of times um you get actually some some good feedbacks in order to improve the security level and the the way how the the blockchain platform works um, and and get the next improvement level Um, now if you have a um, a private blockchain you may not want to do that. You may not want to go out and say, hey, that's my so- source code, please check. And maybe there are new services are coming up for actually doing that for you. So like you're,
0: you're more positive about the, the, the public blockchain what well,
2: possibilities then? Um, as I said, it, it's a longer journey, and I think this is...
0: But, it, but it's a journey, and we're going in that direction, You think, anyway
2: well I think before we getting there easily five years come along right. <laughs> um, but especially um, the moment you, you disentangle this experience ver- versus this um, it surely works as intended um, that step needs to take place and, and it's a lot of times all about customer experience if they see the value of it people are jumping on it typically
0: um. When you go out to meet people from different businesses who are not involved in blockchain, uh, what's the experience of trying to explain what you are proposing to people who know nothing about it? What's the sort of most difficult hurdle to to,
1: to cross? So, if you were asking me the same question five years ago, it would have been a terrible thing. In, I think... There's been a learning around trying to move away from just the mechanics and technicalities of it, and talk about the value that you yield from sharing data across an industry. When you start with that logic, I'm talking about like enterprise discussions, not my family or like you know common the common speak. In in that context, when you start from that logic, then the value is more transparent, more quickly because trying to be able to share. In an effective way, data, therefore having standard data models, having standard pros and procedures, has been the, the sweet dream of anyone that has been in any industry that. for any given amount That's of time. That's not a new idea. Right? It just so happens that we came to the point where you have a technology which, first of all, allows people to come together in a very different and more open way. It provides the, it provides the operating system and the operating model to have the opportunity for these things to succeed better. And it also falls better within the lens of of innovation. Therefore, in in a way, sometimes it places a Trojan horse around, okay, well, why don't we just do it in this way? Because talent is easier to acquire, because they want to do it. Uh, From a commercial perspective, it seems to be easier. There's all sorts of hurdles in terms of scaling, but we know how to get there, we know how the model is, and all that. So, those conversations are easier because of that. Now, if you start from the blockchain is XYZ, you're back to the basic problem of focusing too much on the technology and not on the business problem.
0: Right. So I guess as time has gone by, would I be right in thinking that you have become more confident in in doing that, in, in starting with what problem we're going to solve rather than approaching people and saying, now let me tell you all about blockchain. It's very interesting.
2: Well, I think we started all the time, always but in the same way. Um, what are the problems? The business problems, actually, we're right. trying to solve instead of uh, the technology problem? The technology here is a means to an end, which is what are the business problems I, I can better solve with this technology than with any other. And only if you find these business problems and use cases, then it's worthwhile investing. If you say, well, blockchain is great, but, you know... Uh, for this use case, I can easily uh, better use a centralized database. and Then, probably, better go for the centralized database.
0: Well, that is an interesting point. Uh, blockchain has, I think, it would be fair to say, it's quite a sort of fashionable idea. Yes. Are there things that are being done on blockchain that could more simply be done on a centralized database?
3: Yes,
1: a lot. It just so happens that there's a basic question: so Why haven't they? And if a lot of these central database are based on industry utilities that historically operate in a specific way, there's a very basic question to ask is why haven't they delivered the next level of efficiency? So all these utilities, if you look at financial services has millions, all the other industries have others. Um, They yielded value when they went from paper to electronic and centralization of regulation and all that. But now... All the industries across all the industry practices—they are looking for the next level of innovation—and these utilities are operating too much at arm's length. They have their own commercial agendas. They are—they have to deal with a lot of legacy constraints, which allow them to don't allow them to invest as well in innovation. Therefore, then it opens the door to say, okay, how, how else could we do this differently? And in a lot of cases, that's that's how this conversation starts. As, as Kai was saying, from a VCG perspective, the narrative was always the same. It's basically, we start with what's the problem? And then at the end of the day, blockchain will coexist within an ecosystem within the company and will it co- coexist within the ecosystem across the industry.
0: I mean, it sounds like some of the best potential is in use cases which pull together separate entities, separate businesses and so on. And so the, the, there must be a sort of uh, almost a diplomatic component to yes. getting these things working—is
1: yes. that right? Yes, I, I think if you there's there's a way to think about this, which is there have two major phases of a, of a piece of work like this. There's a there's a phase which is rather known, which is how do you get to a point where you can develop a realistic prob- solution to a problem space, a business problem that you identified, and then if that problem space requires mass industry participation for that use case to be effective, then you go to a second phase, which is well-known and more painful which is how do you scale the use that's a very well-known problem we're used to it we know how painful it is and so on and so forth um, but it's a necessary step for all of these use cases to work and that's why a lot of them fail because they they, they even have, don't have the appetite or the the muscle to call, orchestrate those discussions and arrive to operate in an economic models which
2: make sense.
0: So it's a matter yeah. of leadership in some respects. Partially a
2: leadership, <coughs> partially it's uh, what we call uh, the blockchain paradox, because blockchain is a platform ecosystem game. So the more people are joining, the more value it can create. But the getting more people on it and believing in the technology is even harder than only doing it with a, a few ones. So it's actually contradicting itself. And that's exactly the paradox. Now, the moment you can achieve uh, creating it in a neutral space where putting the, the own interests of the, each of, um, and every participant a little bit to the background and, and much more focused to, on value and where the minimum viable product of data and sh- data sharing is actually exceeding the hurdle of participation that's when, when uh, people and, and companies are joining.
1: And that's why a lot of the companies, a lot of the use cases that are starting to scale well typically start in two very clear spaces, either consortia efforts, which are specifically designed to come up with a solution based on something that looks like blockchain, or players which have such a massive market share in the industry that they operate that m- them by themselves moving the needle makes the industry move the needle, yeah. Right. Uh, So that seems to be the way in which these use cases are starting to scale. They need that starting point. Pointed solutions which try to promote a platform or try to provide a ecosystem require an enormous amount of investment akin to an industrial scale-up. Therefore, it is sometimes very difficult to have investors which typically fall into the VC space with the risk appetite and the tenure of investment required to make these things scale well.
0: It, it sounds like what you're talking about very much goes with the grain of globalization and that different economic units are going to be sort of tied together mm-hmm. by this process.
2: It, yes, partially. I mean, um, take um, an industry where um, players have maybe a couple of percentages of market share. Then, uh, as Stephen said, um, the only way how to bring them closer together to talk about it is typically in a consortium way. If you have on the other scale, uh, end of the scale, um, an industry where a handful of players have 80-90% of the market share, well, everyone knows anyone, uh, everyone anyway, so it's much easier to, to come up with a common solution which is uh, helping and, and um, yeah, getting and supporting the industry at, in, in entirety. And therefore, I think you have to really de- depict the different industry levels and, and games, uh, which-, which approach you take.
0: Thank you very much indeed.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks to Kai Bacardi and Stephen Cott from BCG.
2: You're listening to Coin CoinGeek Conversations, an earful of Bitcoin
0: and blockchain. So how do ideas about building something using blockchain work in practice? Well, probably every case is different, but I asked Aisling McGibbon, a senior product manager at PwC, to talk me through her blockchain project.
3: I've been working on a new product called Smart Credentials. So Smart Credentials is a product powered by PwC which basically allows individuals to carry their qualifications and their achievements with them globally. So it allows me as an individual to control my my data, control my qualifications, who I share them with, who I choose to revoke them with, without losing the validity or the authenticity of where the credential has originally come from.
0: And, And why is the blockchain key to this?
3: think the blockchain element is key for a number of reasons firstly you have the audit trail and for us that's that's so important in this kind of problem around how do you actually prove that my qualifications are real if we look at the manual processes that industries and companies use today it can take anywhere from four to six weeks to prove that a yeah. qualification that I have said I have I actually do have whereas with the, the blockchain the fact that the credential is being issued on chain by an official party and that is the audit trail is proving that throughout as an individual when I share that credential that's clear to anyone I've shared it with that it is authentic it is valid.
0: So you've sort of got three parties here haven't you? you've you got yeah. the individual the, the person who's like a potential employer mm-hmm. and then you've got the issuer of the credentials. Yeah. So how does that all sort of come together and who's sort of responsible for it
3: so I think that the network element is is key so you have at the beginning of the journey the issuer who actually issues that digital version of a credential
0: so that would be like somebody issuing a qualification or a a educational yeah it could be a
3: university a regulatory body a regulatory institution someone who is professionally issuing qualifications
0: so they need to be signed up to your system
3: Yes, So they would be part of the platform. they would be that first first step to actually adding that credential to the chain
0: and would you be asking them to do this for a fee or would they be doing it for their own good or what?
3: I think when we share the benefits of, of what it actually can bring for the issuer and um, you know they have if you look at the the amount of people who currently use a manual process to to look up a qualification for a specific individual, and that's on an ongoing basis. The the benefit for them is really we're freeing up those individuals to do more valuable jobs within that firm.
0: So that's if I uh, have applied for a job, person is interested... And then they want to check that I've mm-hmm. actually got the qualifications that I claim that yeah. I have.
3: Yeah, exactly. So how I actually prove that qualification is real. It also is a great way for us to differentiate between potential candidates. You know, an example is if if we're hiring a graduate who has maybe done the same degree as another candidate and they have very similar experience, how can I actually track the, the general achievements I have that I've I've. Cr- you know, earned throughout my life that will actually differentiate from other candidates, be it first aid training, health and safety, football or, or you know, soccer, whatever it may be, kind of how I actually differentiate between different candidates and anything that's of value of me that I can now keep in one place, in one wallet that I own and I control who has access or visibility to.
0: But if I'm the person applying for the job, uh, can I... Would you envisage me approaching the people who've given me the qualifications so that I can kind of build up my profile Mm -hmm. on your system?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of twofold. One, we're speaking to a lot of regulatory bodies, a lot of institutions that we really see the benefit and they're the key first step to actually getting that credential on the platform itself. But we're also, it's so key that we have customer adoption from an individual perspective as well. And I think we're starting to see, especially if we look at groups of students, that the expectation they have in terms of their credential and how that's actually going to be both achieved, stored and shared is changing. You know, They no longer want a piece of paper that is, you know, can be lost can be damaged that then has to be replaced how can I actually carry it with me globally you know on my mobile phone how do I actually you know if we look at workforce of the future how do I actually apply for more jobs share that much more easily how do I bring the qualifications and the achievements that I have gained even within a specific firm how do I bring that with me as I go throughout my journey.
0: So if I'm using the system as a an individual Um, how do I access my content?
3: Yeah. So what we have at the minute is each of our three parties have a UI, a website. um, Sorry, a A website, a user interface, sorry. Right. Um, So in the future, we... the the individual will also have an app whereby they can completely customise how they want it to look, they can store each of their credentials, they can share on an individual basis, you know, they may want to share one to two credentials as opposed to their whole portfolio, Um, and they want to share with specific people and revoke from specific people as well, so it's completely, the individual will have control and they'll be able to customise how they view it, how they see it, and when they choose to share with someone, they'll that third party will be notified that you know someone has tried to share this specific thing with you, and um, will be given visibility. And again, they'll be notified when that visibility is revoked. So
0: essentially, I'd be sending a URL of to whoever I want to impress. Is that right?
3: So, in terms of the the person who's receiving the the um, credential, they will would log in, receive a notification via the platform. So the individual will be able to decide I want to send that to. PwC for example, I I want to get a job at PwC, I want to send it to them PwC will be part of our network that we can then identify that's who you're sending it to they'll then be notified and able to accept or decline that to see the visibility.
0: Right, so they get given what a password or something
3: it's, it's basically because they're already part of the network and they're part of the, the Smart Credentials platform. Once I actually have joined, anyone can share something with me. I still have the ability to accept or decline it, so I still have that level of control. But once you're on the platform, it really opens up that ecosystem to, to sharing throughout.
0: Right, so nobody really can use this unless they are generally participating in the network. They can't just use it on a one-off, casual basis.
3: Yeah, we think the benefit is as we we grow the ecosystem, we get more individuals, more companies actually utilising the the platform itself.
0: So I, I guess the big competitor must be LinkedIn
3: yeah so when we looked at LinkedIn and, and other kind of organizations or websites that do similar things they're great for representing an online CV but the real question around LinkedIn when we've talked to you know our customers and our potential users is there's nothing to prove the authenticity of what I'm putting on my LinkedIn profile. So what I'm writing at the minute, there's actually no one really backing up that I have actually got that qualification or I do have that experience. And that's really where we see our USP with smart credentials.
0: In terms of PwC's interest in blockchain, presumably Mm -hmm. this is an example of a a kind of application that you're very confident about.
3: Yeah, we've been exploring blockchain in a number of different industries um, over the past four to five years. Smart Credentials is one of the first products that we've built internally. We've built a lot of blockchain proof of concepts and, and moving more into the pilot stage with a number of different clients. And throughout the past few years, that this problem around proving the qualifications I have and reducing the time it actually takes to do that, whilst giving individuals more control, is a problem that we've started to identify across a number of different industries, which has really led us down to building this product um, powered by PwC.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much,
2: Ashley.
0: Thanks very much to Aisling McGibbon. Smart credentials is currently in a pilot stage with the Institute for Chartered Accountants in Scotland. But there are plans for a wider rollout after that. That's it for this week's CoinGeek conversation. We're holding our own conference in Toronto at the end of May. CoinGeek Scaling Conference. It's all about Bitcoin SV exploring its unique potential to scale to a massive rate of transactions, as well as all the new applications that are being built on it. Please join us there if you can. Details on the CoinGeek website. Till next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.